50 Plus a Tip is brought to you by some amazing sponsors. Studio X is a boutique adult production company that creates premium erotic photography, video, and content. They produce unique, custom, high-quality work that will generate you with more clients, fans, and subscribers. Studio X prides themselves in creating a safe, sexy, and fun luxury service experience unlike any other. Studio X wants their work to remain special, unique, and high-quality. Therefore, they only offer a very limited amount of shoots each month. They focus their energy on you and provide you with the most professional service and best experience possible. They prioritize those that work in the entertainment industry, performance, adult, and sex work community. Listeners of 50 Plus a Tip get $100 off their shoot with Studio X, as well as a Polaroid add-on valued at $150. Just mention 50 Plus a Tip. Model Express in Vancouver is the ultimate destination for sexy and affordable lingerie, dancewear, and exotic high heels. Visit modelexpress.ca for all of your sexy style essentials. For our listeners, use code 50 plus a tip for 10% off all pleaser shoes online. That's 10% off for all pleasers online only at modelexpress.ca. You're listening to 50 plus a tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hi lovelies, welcome back to Fiji Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley. And today we are joined by the creator of Stripology, Wendy. Wendy started dancing at the age of 25 while working in pathology analyzing DNA. Her analytical mind drove her to question, what does it take to consistently do well when hustling and inspired her to create Stripology? Stripology is focused on supporting people in the stripping industry to maximize their income whilst feeling confident. Through courses, coaching, and various avenues of content, Stripology focuses on strategy as well as mindset and how that shapes our outcomes. Thank you so much for joining us. So first and foremost, how long have you been in sex work and how did and what avenues are you working in right now? So I started back in 2010. And uh, currently I do something in Australia that we call private waitressing. So that's going to box parties and doing like topless and nude waitressing um, and, you know, shows. Um, But my, I guess, forte and the main thing that I was always into was stripping. Um, Basically up until COVID, I was stripping very, very full time. So, yeah. Full time. I can't yeah. imagine. <laughs> we don't know her. <laughs> four, yeah, three, like four days a week. A week. How I many nights a week? Sorry? How many nights a week? Usually six, but if I traveled to strip, which was the last few years, I would do back-to-back 14 nights in a row. Um, one time I did a whole month in a row except for one night. So, yeah, pretty extreme. I like just diving in and being really extreme and going for it. What did you do on that one night off that you didn't work during that month? <laughs> I didn't sleep because my body clock was, you know, just so out of whack. So I used to being up all night that I thought, oh, okay, I can rest, but I couldn't. So I might as well have worked. But um, I obviously needed the rest for my body, but I just stayed up and watched TV and, like, got to sleep at 5 a.m. or something. So I was like, okay. Yeah. yeah not all- so how did you first get into the industry? Um, so I always wanted to do it. I remember I used to, excuse me, 
it's early for me. I'm still working out my voice. Um, I used to get the school bus, right? And I used to go past a strip club in Brisbane called Bad Girls Platinum. And I was always intrigued. Like, I had no idea what went on in there, um, but I just was so drawn to it. And even before I was a dancer, I used to just go into strip clubs and just it always felt like home. Um, <clears throat> but instead I went down the avenue of uni. So I went to uni, I studied science, I studied biotechnology, and then I used to work, um, you know, in labs, uh, analysing DNA for abnormalities, and it just did not light me up at all. Um, and so I ended up, I mean, there's a long version and the short version. Um, I just ended up basically, you know, trying out one night. I can give you the long version if you like. It's up to you guys. We have the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Go for okay. it. So, okay, I always was so body conscious. And this isn't saying to anyone like this is a need or a necessity at all for stripping. Um, but I did gymnastics growing up. I'm five foot tall, very short, you know, and I had no boobs at all. And I was so self-conscious. Like I started stripping when I was 25 and I just started like, like no one had seen me naked, no boyfriend I'd ever had, like nobody. Like it was, I was wearing padded bras. Like I was like extreme body dysmorphia, I guess you could say. Like it really got me down. And one night I was out partying and someone threw a bottle at someone and it caught my face and I was on my phone and suddenly this bottle smashed on my face and it nearly cut my lip off. And I ended up getting some compensation by victims of crime. And so I went to a plastic surgeon because it was pretty disfigured. Like it was, I went to the GP the next day and he just did like four stitches and it was nearly hanging off. So it was like a big scar and I lost all the feeling in my lips. So I went to a plastic surgeon to see, you know, what they could do to like reconstruct it. This was pre-filler. Now it's easy to like even it out. But back then it was like 35 stitches trying to like make it look like my lip again. And whilst I was at the doctor, I was like, oh, by the way, like, do you think I can get some boobs? And he was like, well, of course. <laughs> and so I got a boob job. And so then as soon as I was recovered, like one month later, because that was the big thing that was like, it just caused me so much stress. And the thing that also, I mean, I was scared back then, you know, but the thing that also had me decide was like, I'm not religious, but it's a religious saying. And it's like, you know, um, change the things you cannot accept, accept the things you cannot change and have the wisdom to know the difference between the two. And so for me, like, I just found it really hard to accept my my body in that way. So I chose to change it. And then I felt, okay, I'm ready now. Finally, at 25, like in a job that I really don't enjoy, let me go and try this. So I went in, I had a boyfriend at the time. He drove me in. I remember it's a Thursday. I was like, what do I need to do to work here? They're like, you can start tomorrow. I was like, done. And bang, I was in and loved it like then and there. So that's how it all came about. All because someone hit a bottle in your face. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How? Exactly. And yeah. it was two years between the incident and getting the payout. Um, so, you know, there was two years of adding another thing to me that I wasn't, you know, super happy about. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, silver lining for sure. Is is 25 
the average age for someone to start stripping in Australia? Mm, I would say that's kind of late, but it really varies. Like I've got a friend that started, she was on my podcast a few weeks ago, months now maybe, and she had an experience where when she had her son, she got really connected to her body. Mm. And so she didn't begin until after becoming a mother, whereas some people would view it as like, you know, I, I could, you know, that's when I quit when I have a baby kind of thing. So it's just completely individual. Um, some people start at 18, you know, whatever, what literally it's one of those jobs where like if it calls for you, you know, it can be at any age, any mm-hmm. reasoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were literally just discussing today that we started in our like later early 20s, sort of around the like mm-hmm. 23, 20. 22, 23. 22 mark. Which is like yeah. kind of older. Yeah, where I started. we feel like yeah. that's older too. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if only we had fallen but, down the slippery slope earlier. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish, but in the same in the same token, like I know where my head was at if I started when I was 18. I would have got myself into a lot of trouble because I was, you know, pretty, uh, pretty crazy back then. Not to say I'm not now, but, you know, like, <laughs> I wouldn't have had boundaries. I wouldn't have understood myself. You know, I wouldn't have, yeah, Definitely. taken care of myself mm-hmm. and things like that. So it all it all pans out, you know, the way that it does. So, um, of the, yeah. of the avenues that you have worked in, which has been your favorite, and which would you say would be your least favorite? Mm-hmm. Um, I love it all. I feel like different seasons, different reasons. Um. You know, obviously during COVID, clubs were closed, uh, so I focus more on the topless waitressing, nude waitressing. Now I prefer that for my lifestyle because um, I get to choose when I work. Um, you know, some of the parties like here in Perth, they're, you know, on a yacht, going out to an island, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money to just like enjoy the day. Um, it's not super late, you know, Um you can pick and choose the jobs, basically. Um, so, for for me now, that's what I prefer. Um, I love the. It feels a little more like you're not in a persona. Not not that you ever need to be in a persona, but like, there's not really any fantasy there. You you kind of don't want to encourage that because you are a one man band. Like you are your security. You are your you know the entertainer. You're everything. So it's more like being of service, like getting them drinks, like banter, you know, basically just being a member of the party, whereas stripping is different. Um, and I love that as well. Obviously, that's what I coach around, you know, like the sales, the hustle, the entertainment, the one-on-one, the really deep connections that we can make. So, yeah, I think that there's just different branches that, you know, um, can suit anyone at any point, you know, of their journey. But it's about being flexible, you know. Um, you know, say, say for example, for me, if I only had the option of strip clubs right now, I, I would not work six nights a week. And, you know, I know that it would feel more tiring because, you know, I turned 40 at the end of this year and I just feel like, and which is fine, but I just, I just know that, you know, the late nights impact my day the next day more than they used to. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, and you you guys finish late uh, in Australia too. Like I think you see clubs close at five. Yeah, so in Perth, uh, most clubs uh, around Australia close at five. But in Melbourne, which is where I used to fly to work, because they close, uh, depending on how busy it is, but usually 10 a.m. That is unhinged. Oh, my God. I loved that because I was like, oh, my God. As soon as I heard that, that's when I started flying there because I was like, "You're, you're telling me I've got five extra hours to make money in? Sign me up. So, yeah. Our, I mean. The latest club closes at three here and we bitch about uh-huh. it. Yeah. <laughs> and we work at a club that That's closes right. earlier. <laughs> but I, it's because I'm a day shift person. Like I wake up at six in the morning most days naturally and yeah. I love my like 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. shift. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a day person for sure. Yeah. Like what time do you usually start if you finish at five to 10 a.m.? So um, 5 a.m., usually 9. The clubs here in Perth are like 9 to 5. It's like a normal 9 to 5 kind of job. Um, <laughs> but in Melbourne, we could start any time from 5. It was different. Like if you start early, you can finish early. But I like to start usually by 9 at the latest and then work through until it closed. So, you know, um, I'd usually do about 12 hours. Um, but some people, you know, if they're, if they're planning to stay till the end, they might start. I think the latest was like 11. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Not, so. An 11 hour shift. I mean, we do that sometimes. Yeah. But, but we get to go home at one in the morning, which is yeah. lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's just shifting the clock back. Yeah. It is hard work, you know, it's really hard work. And then to do that back to back for days at a time, you're a machine. I that, that can't be me, you know. Yeah, no, and like it, it took COVID to make me realize what rest really was. Um, yeah. yeah, because before that, I just I couldn't. I was just like, if the doors are open, I can make money. You know, I was really obsessed, and then when everything closed and I could rest, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) And now that's my main priority. Like it's switched. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, there was a couple of years back where I worked like, I think like 60 something days in a row. And anytime I took a day off, I felt like extreme guilt. And my mom was Mm -hmm. like, I think you need to go to therapy for that. Like that's not okay that you like won't let yourself rest. Like anytime you're not making money, you feel bad. Um, yeah. And then post COVID, when like the clubs kind of went to shit, I was like, nah, do I want to go in for that? I mean, There's a horrible way to think of it, but I was like, I know like the money's not great right now, so I could I could rest a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm on the opposite yeah, end where I'm like, you... I drag my ass there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I call it like getting bitten by the bug. Like it's 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 addictive, you know. Couch can be addictive, and um, I work with so many people that you know it's like really clarifying like if you're choosing to rest rest like don't think about the guilt don't think about what you're missing out the FOMO you're just wasting your energy that you're trying to recuperate so if you're at work and then and then people sometimes with that you know then they go to work and they're like oh god I just want to be at home and rest and don't work completely to their potential so it's like really you know separate that for yourself if you're resting, rest. Forget about everything else. And if you're at work, fucking work. Like, forget about everything else, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm guilty of that for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. just being yeah. like intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, intentionality for sure. Mm-hmm. So you started the Stripper Academy. Are you able to give us a little bit of a breakdown of what that encompasses? <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best because, as you know, um, it's pretty complex. Um, took around five years to develop. Um, basically, you know, I noticed personally in the club um, there's not one type that make really good money. It can be any age, you know, anyone of any race, you know, any like look, body shape, like whatever, personality even. So it's like what is it that creates a top earner, you know, and I really wanted to just dive into that. And, yeah, I guess my mind like looking at things sort of analytically and, you know, um, I just started studying all different things, whatever. It was like a real journey for me. And in the process of creating it, I didn't mean to create it initially. You know, it was for me to improve. And also, you know, in my club, whilst I improved, the managers started asking me, you know, can you please like help some of the dancers that are struggling? And I noticed the tips that I gave them really, really helped. So that cemented it for me. I was like, that's it. Like, I know there's more to this. Like we, we, we're in an industry that has no training and I think that's completely outrageous. Um, so, yeah, studying everything from I think one of the first things that I needed to learn was meditation. So I went and did a month um, in Bali. I studied yoga and meditation um, and then I went on to studying uh, hypnosis, NLP, NLP master practitioner, endless podcasts and books, you know, about sales and mindset and just so much and everything I put into practice. My biggest hurdle personally was um, confidence, feeling confident. Um, so a big deep dive into that, like what is confidence? There's so much content around confidence, um, but basically it's, it's a three month. It's just extended now to um, sixteen weeks. Um, different modules, you know, um, starting with the foundations of like, like philosophies, I guess, um, energetics of of money, um, what people are really seeking in strip clubs, uh, conversations like how we structure a conversation to do a really seamless close. Because obviously in the strip club, we don't make any money unless we sell lap dances um, or, or tips maybe on stage. But the, the bread and butter is, you know, the lap dances. And so really, you know, honing in on that and um, being able to sell like quickly and efficiently and in a way that's non-pressuring and in a way that um, supports the customer to have the best time possible um, also supports us to have the best time because we're we're doing a good job, we're feeling good, and then we go into body language. So, um, in order to be able to read and decipher people's body language, and also be aware of the body language we're putting out there as well, it's a two way street always. Um, we take a deep dive into um, you know confidence, and then self awareness, and then we look at a whole range of different cues that we can use to help send messages um, like non-verbally 
to our customers. So that really helps speed up the sales process. And then the third month is called stripnosis. And that's like the fundamentals of hypnosis. That's using um, specific words, framing our sentences, just helping paint a picture because people buy from um, like their emotions and how they're feeling and things like that. So really like relaying that with our body language, with the words that we choose, um, just to get the message across basically that they're going to have an amazing time because that's what they're there for, you know, Um, and it just all goes together to really help hustle, you know, yeah, efficiently sell those dances, um, upgrade, you know, extend all night, that kind of thing, like, it's all tried and tested. It gets amazing um, feedback and, you know, um, after trying and testing it all myself and really creating like a structure, um, yeah, stripping just got so, so easy. <laughs> it was like taking canning from a baby, which is great. Yeah, I think that's something that like, you know, we've always said on the podcast, nothing is like your first um, uh, year as a dancer. Like it is you have that baby stripper money and it's so like it's as easy as it's ever going to get and then slowly it gets like harder and harder and I think that a lot of people don't hone their skill like they could or should it's like yeah and then it obviously it gets harder for them as like new girls come into the industry yeah mm-hmm. I found the exact opposite for me it just got easier and easier and easier you know mm-hmm. even well into my 30s like um and it is honing your skills you know um refreshing we might get stuck in certain ways that we think work or you know all different things can come up and um yeah it's you know but for me yeah total opposite my baby stripper money was nothing on my you know later seasons for sure Mm -hmm. And I think the people that find it like that where it's like this, they rely on like the baby stripper shine and mm-hmm. just their looks are the ones that will see their money decline. If you're like mm-hmm. constantly like like yourself, like putting the money and energy into learning your hustle, that's when you'll see your money increase. And as you said, you've done a bunch of work, a bunch of uh, courses and workshops. Uh, of those ones that you have done, what do you think has been, would you say, the most valuable uh, the academy because <laughs> it's all put together. No, um, another thing that I've done that I've invested in is um, having a like a psychotherapist um, to understand myself more deeply. I think that helped all of what I learned fall into place more easily. So I would say um, I would say that as a as a basis, like getting the therapy that I needed or the insight toward anything that points inward, you know. So they all help with that, like yoga meditation help with that, you know, hypnosis, understanding the way that the unconscious mind works helps with that, you know, therapy helps with understanding yourself, your triggers, you know, the things that you focus on, like all of that, so you can really become more self-aware. I think anything that points yeah, back to yourself and that self-awareness is what's going to help you. Um, and I just want to touch on before, like with the baby stripper thing, um, we get new challenges as well as we expand in the strip club. So I was talking to my girlfriend the other day about this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Like first of all, a challenge might be like 
how do I approach people or like what do I say or like then it might start extending into like how do I sell VIP better or like how do I, um, you know, extend for more hours and then it might evolve into, which what we're chatting about is like how do I get regulars that are fucking obsessed stop like trying to get more and pay less, you know, like these are questions that evolve. Like you, you don't generally step in as a baby stripper and be like, oh, like how do I stop with these mind games from like all these customers that are like, you know, fucking obsessed or whatever has happened because you've done the job so well that they're, you know, starting to lose touch with reality. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's just interesting. So it's like really keeping up with like where you're at and breaking through that next barrier. So not not just getting stuck on like the first barrier and then being like, oh, you know. So, yeah, just that kept popping in my mind and popping back out. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring that up. No, I think that's a really good point is like you learn so much but there's always – more yeah as you said more obstacles to like push past or like little bits of knowledge that you can still like get in your when you're a little stripper like when you're a baby stripper none of that occurs to you you're just like so happy to get 50 dollars for a lap dance you know yeah yeah um, <laughs> what uh what barrier are you tackling right now yourself oh learning rest deep rest um and um, it, it's funny because it's, it, I mean, it's related to stripping, but not really, but, um, I guess through all the years, you know, um, the wealth that I've built and the investments and maintaining what I've built. So that's my thing at the moment over growth. Um, you know, I own a couple of houses, um, we have Airbnb, you know, and just maintaining what we've got, you know, is is my focus at the moment because I believe, like, unless you're maintaining where you're at, there's no point calling more in because you might topple, you know. So, yeah, that's my focus at the moment, like learning to just really truly be and to rest um, and, yeah, that's that's my thing. I love working on my business, you know, literally just do things that bring me joy at the moment. Um, And sometimes that does include waitressing, you know, but I guess working on balance because for a long time I was out of balance. So, you know, I guess stepping out of stripping, it's even another stage is like really honing in on like balancing life and creating that peace that for me, that's what it was always about was like creating a safe sanctuary to enjoy. Um, So that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. I, uh, we are, have been known to take a little too much rest, so we might have the other problem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and it's balanced, you know, mm -hmm. as someone who's taken, you know, a lot of courses and, um, sought, you know, different types of therapy, uh, what are some green flags that you would look for when finding a mentor to try and help find someone who's reputable? Yeah, we get asked a lot because obviously, especially with like the surge on on media and TikTok, every person and their dog is a stripper now and Mm -hmm. everyone knows the best route to be the best stripper. Is there any way that um, someone looking at all these options could kind of narrow it down? What are some green flags that you should look for or maybe even red flags you should look for before you take a course? Mm -hmm. I've really thought about this. Um, I'm not personally on TikTok, so I don't really see what's, you know, out there and available. Someone that gels with you and your values or you gel with theirs, 
you know, I think that would be a good green flag. Someone that kind of speaks to you, um, someone that inspires you, um, someone that understands that their way is not the only way, that everyone's individual and, you know, space to allow that. Um, someone that's done work themselves, you know, or is doing or has done what you want to do, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so there's some things that come to mind. I, I personally always have mentors, coaches, you know, therapy. Like I love hiring people that can help me in whatever they specialise in if I feel my life needs it at that time. Um, and sometimes I just trust that people that get drawn into my sphere are you know, if I'm noticing it, then it's, you know, it's there for a reason, perhaps, you know. So they're usually the people that I choose to work with that, like, they come into my sphere and I'm like, oh, you know, I really like what they're about or, like, what they're teaching at the moment is exactly what I'm needing at the moment. And then I just reach out and, like, you know, um, we all have a different buying process and that's something that we need to understand about our customers as well but we can learn a lot by looking at our own you know buying strategy and mine is like I don't just buy anything but I do impulsively buy on occasion when it ticks enough boxes and I'm like cool done or if I'm still thinking about it later and it's like hmm you know if it wasn't for me it would just go in and out. I know that, you know. So, yeah, there's some things like look at your buying strategy, look at, yeah, all the things that um, interest you, what you might be needing support with, um, and then just also trusting yourself. And sometimes there can be people that look for reviews as well because there can be people that are talking they might be great at pitching stuff, but they're not delivering as well. So I think it's important to really look at other people's experience with the person as well. It can be helpful. Yeah, I think that's some good advice. It's uh, it, it does get overwhelming when everybody is like, you know, has a different take on, you know, what what works, what doesn't work, and it can yeah, for sure be a bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with the, when the green mm -hmm. flags too when I'm taking courses in like academia or anything mm -hmm. is seeing what the instructor, what work they've done on themselves as well. That they're not just mm -hmm. coming in thinking they know everything. They also know that they, they need to learn as well. I think that's a big green flag for me before I um, throw money into a course because we were, everyone works hard for their money and you want to make sure it's going somewhere that's that's worth it. Mm -hmm. Um so when Riley and I were discussing you, uh, <laughs> she was telling me that you took a hypnosis course. And I was like, what the hell's that? What the hell's that? And I just picture, you know, like the classic, like, you're getting sleepy, <laughs> like with like a little like pendulum in their face. And Riley was like, Well, let's ask her. So yeah. can you explain to us what the hypnosis course was you took? Yeah. So um I've done a few. Um, they were pretty similar. Um, basically the fundamentals of hypnosis are someone in a relaxed state following suggestion. So willingly. So we can't 
snap our fingers and hypnotize someone. A shame. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. But the ingredients are needing to be in a relaxed state. Their mind also needs to um, be able to take on board what you're saying. So that means that you need to be in rapport. There needs to be, they need to agree on some level. Like you can't say to someone something that they don't agree with because their brain is going to just come in and be like, "Mm -mm, I don't agree with that. For example, say you have a smoker in your life and you're like, I really want them to quit smoking, but they secretly deep down love it and they don't want to. And then you're like, oh, I'll get them a birthday present. I'll get them like a session of hypnosis to quit smoking. And then they go in and they're like, oh, you know, you are sleepy, you're getting relaxed, blah, 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 obviously more than that. But then the hypnotist is like, you're going to quit smoking, you know, whatever the script is, you know. And then brain the whole time is like, no, I'm fucking not. (laughs) It's not going to work, you know. Two other ingredients is like the hypnotist needs to wholeheartedly believe the message that they're sending and that the person has the ability to be able to achieve what it is they're wanting to achieve. And the person also has to have that belief. It's almost like pretend, but the level of belief allows it to sink into the unconscious mind plus the relaxation. So it's sort of dissolving that critical faculty, this part of our brain that's like, "Mm -mm," you know, sort of like the gatekeeper. When we're really relaxed, that kind of relaxes as well and dissolves down. Children don't have that critical faculty. That's probably why they believe in Santa and things like that. Whereas as adults, we develop it. We're like, hang on, <laughs> you're telling me this, like that that doesn't add up. I'm not going to believe that. So there's all these kind of elements. So when we understand like how it does work, we can, and bringing it into the hustle or stripping or upgrading, things like that. First ingredient is we need to fully and wholeheartedly believe what we're selling. And what we're selling is our customers having a fantastic time because that's the view that I come from. It's not about trickery. It's not about I'm going to, you know, take this person's money and, and give them fuck all. We, we need to start the loop of, like, giving and, and receiving by willingly being, like, you know, believing in ourselves and being willing to say, hey, I'm going to entertain the shit out of this person. They're going to have the best time. I'm 100% willing to do that. And then the other part is they need to believe that. And when everyone's on board, it we can really, you know, go deep with that and, um, you know, create scenarios where we just get extended, extended, you know, and stuff like that. But there's obviously a lot more to it, but that's that's the essentials. And just to anyone out there, I had to do a lot of clearing work myself before I put strypnosis out there of like, uh, ethic, like is this ethical? Is this? And then now, yes, I wholeheartedly believe because you can't, hypnotize someone that's not willing you know so that's an important factor is just you know it, it really just comes back to strengthening your own confidence and your own self-belief and you know delivering the thing we're delivering but in a way that makes us even more convinced of ourselves because you, you need to be sold on your own product which is you so yeah so that's a little rundown of like yeah, hypnosis, you know, you you do a course, it's a couple of days and it's a lot of hours. So Yeah, that's yeah. 
so interesting. Yeah. I, when you did the course, were you hypnotized? And then what was that experience like on the sort of receiving end? So I've undergone hypnosis um, a fair few times. And also I have free hypnosis for dancers as well. Um, so, you know, to prepare for work or to unwind after work. Um, but the more that you go into that relaxed state, the more readily you can go into it. So when I'm studying hypnosis and I've done it four times, it's been a part of like NLP, NLP master practice, and I did two other just separate hypnosis courses. Um, you, you learn, you know, how it works, like, you know, different things about it, and then you practice it. So it really just feels like what I would describe is we actually go into a hypnotic state many times a day. And I'll give an example that people can probably relate to, say, and we probably don't anymore because it's like 2024, but say you're watching TV and an ad break comes on and you're literally exposed to like, say, eight ads, three, five minutes worth of ads. And then it gets to the end of that and if someone asks you, like, what were all the ads you just watched and you'd, you'd maybe remember, like, one or two because your brain is just switched off and you're kind of watching it but you're not really watching it, that's kind of an example of what a hypnotic state can feel like. You're not like a vegetable or, you know, all these things that, you know, you might imagine. You're really just in, it's sort of like as you're drifting off to sleep or coming out of sleep, just that dreamlike state where you're absorbing information but you're not actually consciously thinking about it. Like just like a really passive state kind of? Yeah. Interesting. So I always love, like this always goes in the back of my head when any time sex workers mention Santa, especially strippers, I'm like, isn't it funny though that we've now like had a career where we sit on laps and get gifts? Like, <laughs> somehow we like created Santa to still be a thing for us and I love that. That's it. It's the whole fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've been in the industry for quite a while. How have you kept up your motivation and confidence while in the industry? And do you have any tips for longevity? Mm, Sure. So have a big why. Like I would say it's so important to set short-term, mid-term and long-term goals, but really getting in tune with like what is your reason for it. And I know that my reason changed through time, you know, At the beginning, it was more validation, you know, yeah, the money as well. But, you know, the compliments really helped me feel good. And then that kind of, you know, subsided and it wasn't about that. Getting really clear on what is this truly for? Because our, what we value and what drives us, that's going to be the thing that keeps us motivated. So for me, it was, um, really about, like I mentioned before, creating a safe sanctuary, like a beautiful home that I can enjoy and feel safe in. Because when I grew up, um, I had to sleep in my mum's bed till I was 11. Like I didn't have a bedroom. Um, Our house was too small. You know, there was was a lot of like drug and alcohol abuse, violence. Um, And I didn't feel safe and I had nowhere to bloody go when I didn't feel safe, you know. So That to me, like it wasn't something I was consciously focusing on, but I knew deep down I was like, if I work my fucking butt off, I can create that faster. And another thing that 
you know, um, really drove me was science is really underpaid in Australia. I don't know about other countries, but, you know, it was, it wasn't a big wage. And when I started to really get, you know, the hang of stripping, um, I set my goal as, you know, one week's wage per weeknight or two weeks wage per weekend night. And I pretty much usually always hit that. And that was a big goal. But in my mind, I was like, well, for every night that I work, that's one week that I've saved myself if I had have just stayed in the science career. So I've probably made a couple of lifetimes worth of, you know, being a scientist money in, in a short period where then it's like, well, when do you stop? And so, like I said before, like COVID helped, but there's this Jim Carrey quote that I really love and it's, I've done enough, I have enough and I am enough. And I feel like those boxes feel ticked and that helps me rest more easily now rather than keeping the like more, 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 which is great too. But really just setting your sights on like what is your end goal? Like what's going to make you feel satisfied? And then go there in your mind, picture it. The more that we feel into our goals, the more strong and real they are. And so now I'm so grateful for the past me that worked so fucking hard to the point of like, oh, my God, just so every ounce of energy in me went towards working hard. And, yeah, now I enjoy my days, like doing my gardening, working on my business, which really lights me up, you know, like spending time with my dogs, one that this whole time was just one's a puppy, he's just been happily ripping up all my stuff over there. But, you know, just really focusing in on like, what do I want in my life and what do I enjoy? And, you know, a big thing with therapy is really working that out for yourself. Like who am I and and, and where do I want to allocate my time and my energy? So, yeah, so that sort of helped me keep me motivated. Um, yeah, for sure. And just coming back to that all the time, every time I felt tired or whatever, okay, this is the time that I'm working and this is what it's going towards. And, you know, I felt like nothing could really stop me every time I tap back into that. But it needs to be clear and it needs to be big and it needs to be exciting. Yeah, I uh, we really need to start having like more <laughs> <laughs> like go- like better goals, I think. We yes, we. I got, I got five <laughs> years on you in this. I, I did my time in the industry. I worked my ass off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing too. It's so I love that you just said that. Like, it's so good to come out of the industry being satisfied with the amount that you worked, and not like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I should have, should have. There's no should have. It's like you've got the time. And, you know, yeah, like if, and as if you want to, some people like moonlighting with it, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, to be satisfied with what you did is, is you know, the most important thing. Yeah. And I, mem- I remember like, I don't know how many years back this was now. Just two. But I'm remem- so young and so fresh. I'm 21. But uh, <laughs> many moons ago when I started like a decade ago now, um, I remember thinking like I want to – this is when I really had a fire under my ass back in the day. And I was like, yeah. I want to work as much as possible. I want to save as much as possible because 
I put up with so much shit from people for being in the industry and like being out there in the industry that I want to be able to walk away being like, it was all fucking worth it. Like I set myself up, like I put up with all that shit for a reason. Not, and I had seen so many women back then when money was like really, really good in certain places that I worked back when oil was really good in those places and they were making minimum 40K a month and then they were in the industry for X amount of years and they walked away with nothing. And mm-hmm. I was like, you put your body and your mental health through shit back then and you walked away as broke as you started. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. Like I need to like – and I think that's why I was like having goals back in the day and like really like making sure I put the money aside um, when mm-hmm. I was young and nimble. But <laughs> That could be us again, but <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, uh, it's really an opportunity that we can set ourselves up and – you know, I love that you said, like, other people's judgments. It's like, look, that's just actually showing something about them that, you know, they might be closed-minded or, you know, not understand. Um, but it's a good opportunity to convert that into motivation as well. We can pick motivation from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, literally today I was thinking, I think it's because I have a gig coming up. I have a weird anxiety about it because typically – uh, November, December are like our really busy months. And those though typically the times we work the most. And then I usually plan to take most of January off. I usually try to get a surgery or two, <laughs> two during that time or do something. And um, so I have like, it's like getting back on the bike, getting back on the horse, I guess. Yeah, I have a little bit of anxiety getting back. And um, it's funny that you mentioned like with the intention, intentionally mm-hmm. taking breaks and rest and intentionally working when you work. And that's one thing I told myself earlier today was like, yeah, I have anxiety going to the gig, but the minute I step foot in that gig, I need to make sure I'm working as hard as I can for the hours I'm there mm-hmm. and then like resting like sh- like hella afterwards. Like I need to be more intentional with like while I'm at work instead of like being in my head about the anxiety or being like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. I wish I was home or I wish I was doing this. Like I need to be like, I'm here now. I better make the fucking money. So it's funny that yeah. this conversation came up today because it's like literally mm-hmm. I was talking to myself in my head earlier today. When I was supposed to be paying attention to class lecture, but that's okay. That's neither here nor there. And that's so common. Like that comes up all the time in my coaching and, and in the academy when we do the group calls is that like after a little break, the anxiety, in fact, we were talking about it yesterday, but the anxiety that can come up. But more often than not, um, it's like riding a bike, you know. It's like this build-up, like, ah, it's just pressure mm-hmm. that you're putting on yourself, you know, but you know that when you get in there it's, it's going to be okay. So it's just reminding your mind of, like, you know, I've done it a million times, it's going to be fine, have fun with it, this will just be a fun memory one day. So, you know. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it never goes, I mean, for me it's never gone away. I've been doing, yeah, for dancing for almost, a, I guess, over a decade now. And it's still, mm-hmm. like, when I start a new club, I get that little, like, ooh, or, like, when I, like, take too much time off, it gets, it gets just – I think it'll always be there. But yeah, it yeah. is. And it's actually, it's a good thing it's not, it's still there because it, it does make the job a little more exciting. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so it you can, mentioned, sorry. sorry. Oh, I was just going to say with the anxiety, like it can, it means that you want to do well. Like it means that you care. So it it's serving a purpose, mm. um, but it's also interfering in a way. So that's something that I do a lot with my clients is like work on like, you know, anxiety and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just want to put that out there. Like if you speak to your anxiety and be like, you know, thank you for helping to motivate me, get me excited, like get that momentum, that energy, because mm-hmm. it's it's 
nervous energy is a lot of energy, you know, but then redirect it out and be like, thank you for, you know, being there. But actually I'm in control here, <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah, we can really sort of work with uh, alleviating anxiety in different ways. But, yeah, so keep going because, yeah, yeah like, it's not fun to feel really anxious, you know. Yeah. No, but, like, yeah, like harnessing that energy in a positive way like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just have generalized anxiety if that's really <laughs> – Harder to harness. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely same. And that's why I know so much about it because I've worked so much on that. I'm like, oh, my God. So you alluded to this a little bit earlier um, about when customers start to kind of lose touch with reality. Um, I know this has been a topic on your podcast as well, but do you have any advice for our listeners of dealing with customers who kind of always want more and then oftentimes also for less? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it can happen if customers start thinking that there's more to the relationship than just customer, you know, entertainer. Um, start doing little tests like come out for dinner with me, like, you know, maybe, you know, texting, things like that, like wanting more of you and not. And, and I think that like psychologically they're wanting to test the waters of like how much does this person care? Like are they willing to see me without being paid or am I like what, you know, so I see where they're coming from but as a dancer, so when that starts to happen, it's so important to have boundaries um, and be like, okay, you know, this is beginning to happen. Oftentimes that's when head games can begin. Like I was talking to a girlfriend recently about something that her customer's doing and, you know, pulling on heartstrings and, you know, being really victim-y and, you know, it, it can be like, you know, there's endless like scenarios, right? But an important thing is when we see that happening, realising that, okay, this might be coming to a bit of like a head and to not buy into um the games because it's so important as a dancer an entertainer to stay in control of the situation you know and so if we start to sort of bow to the games or the um, tests then we're kind of handing over control a little bit and money will start to go down you know, I can't think of a situation where it doesn't, you know. Um, so really asserting your boundaries in that point because sometimes, especially if they're a really good paying customer, you can be like, I don't want to lose this customer, you know, by being too assertive. But essentially you're trading off your own boundaries or your own energy with money is potentially going to go down anyway just presume the fact that they're going to respect your boundaries and pull themselves into line. And if they don't, it's no loss. And if they do, good. Mm-hmm. You've asserted boundaries and you've remained in control. Yeah, that's and a good point. To, yeah, and you've now got to regular that, uh, respects that. Yeah. If they really do really like you, you know, they're not going to try and fuck with your money and your head. So something important to remember. Yeah, I I think that that's a really good point that you said, whereas if you don't insert your boundaries because you're worried that your money's going to go down, like if you don't, it's going to go down anyway. It's like, yeah. it's such a good point and like something that I haven't really considered. Like, of course, yeah, if, you, if you're now extending your hours with this person, like you're making essentially like less per hour and like 
they're just gonna keep wanting more so mm-hmm. it's hard it's a hard line to draw it's a hard like I feel like mm-hmm. this is such a unique job and the fact that like really in no other service like service industry or like a service provider would you have that like pushing of boundaries like I'm not asking my masseuse to just give me an extra 10 minutes you know for free yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah two comments um like I always say, like not all money is good money, and I think that's something to, important to remember. Like if this customer is constantly pushing your boundaries and making you feel uncomfortable, like maybe it's a good thing to lose them. Like if if that's like, is it worth that like mental stress and feeling like you're constantly pushing your boundaries back for someone? Like the times that I've done that, usually when I'm younger, because now I'm too much of a cunt to <laughs> get my boundaries pushed at all. But um, I always just walked away being like, oh, like I don't, I don't feel good. Like I didn't stand my ground mm-hmm. when I should have. And I, that wasn't worth it. The money I made wasn't worth that feeling. Um, I also always find it funny. And this is what I say to like the customers I've ever tried to like get, get more for less. I always mm-hmm. say, okay, like how about we start with like you giving me more and you get less. And then like, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then yeah, the way they're like, is. well, why would I pay you more to get less? I'm like, then why would I do more to get paid less? Like you see how, yeah. yeah. If so you, you like me so much, you should actually be giving me a raise. Yeah. You should actually pay me every time you don't yeah. see me. And the things that like, I love that, you know, you can say um, even in a joking way, but you're actually being really serious, you know, cause it's actually pretty funny, you know? But, yeah. People need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it does. It's because people, this is a, a job, our our clients like never experience this side of it. They've never like when you're a server, maybe you're serving someone who's been a server before they get it. It's really rare that you have a client who's been a sex worker before. They're not going to really understand it. So I put it in like their layman's terms or I'll put it in like whatever job they're doing. Like if they own, you know, a business and I'm like, okay, well, would you like would your employees work more and you just stop paying them? No, like they wouldn't. So like you can't expect that from me. Like I'm also doing a job as much as I care about you. It doesn't negate it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All that. You just got to talk to yeah. them. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, I, yeah. yeah. And people just like don't put it in perspective of like, and it really draws that line of like being a real job. Like it's just like blurry for some people. They don't understand that like it's the same as, you know, going mm-hmm. to get a massage and then asking for an extra 10 minutes or like mm-hmm. asking for things to be comped on your bill at a restaurant. Like you just, you don't do that at any other job. Why are you doing it at ours? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That's why I'm so passionate about providing as much like support as I can for the industry because I think that some people do get it and they're just being opportunists. Mm. And it's a little bit predatory actually. And so I say to anyone out there listening, if you struggle with like setting boundaries or, you know, saying no or whatever it is, just remind yourself that especially if people are like pleading ignorance or whatever, sometimes there's an underlying, no, actually they're just being predatory and they're trying to take advantage of someone's like naivety or lack of experience or inability to set a boundary and that's fucking rude. Mm-hmm. So that fire should help you to set that boundary and be like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing. Like when we say like the new stripper sheen, um, and I see it a lot in the clubs I've worked at, like 
the same creepy fucking men will always take the new girls for dances. And I'm like, it's not because, well, maybe they're like, you know, pedophiles and they like, like the young girl look. But it's mostly because they, they, they know these girls probably don't have strong boundaries yet and they want to see how much they can push them before they figure it out. Um, yeah. And so I think that's another reason why newer strippers tend to make really good money when they first start at a new club or they're very young is because the creeps really come out of the woodwork. Sniff it. Yeah. 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 When you said that, I just got flashes of so many like customers that I've watched. Like, you know, oh. you know, when you've worked in a club for ages mm-hmm. and you're like, that person doesn't spend, that person doesn't spend. Yeah. Oh, long pole, they're getting a dance from the new team. You know, I've just I just got flashes of all the fucking yeah. people that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, men are all it the is, same. Yeah, and it's funny how like the sex work world too. It's like you have that your club out in Australia. We have that at our club here in Vancouver. <laughs> like it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, it's so wild there. Yeah, and you can almost like there's like an area as well sometimes on the floor which is like and and I I love to, you know, when I do my coaching that like, you know, talk about versatility and trying everyone. But sometimes there there's this one with actually most clubs I've worked in, there's like a spot where people that don't intend to ever spend kind of gravitate to. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, all right, I'll just try it. Oh, lo and behold, they're just not gonna spend. They're just here to watch. Like it's just funny, like, yeah, there's these patterns, isn't it? No matter yeah, where yeah. you yeah, We call fair. ours the uh, black hole. <laughs> That's where there's nothing <laughs> <Yes>. happening. <laughs> you get sucked That's in good. and nothing happens. <laughs> or, yeah. Exactly. Caution exactly. tape around that section. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we opened it up to listeners to ask anonymous questions for you. And oh. uh, we polled five. So the first one here is, how do you make a sale with a difficult customer who isn't willing to buy? So those guys sit in the black hole. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say do all of the things that you know work. And so we go through that in the academies. There's a lot to actually speak about right now. But, you know, make your amazing approach, you know, build some rapport, like, find out what they're wanting, you know, ask good questions, um, keep your mind on, like, why are they saying these things, you know, like basically gathering information, going for the sale. I'd I'd say still persist, all the things that are tried and true that know work. And if they're still doing things, for example, like why don't you sit down and we can have a chat and I'll take you for a dance later or some of those red flag things where you're like, uh, I don't sit down, thanks. Anyway, you know. Um, keeping control of the conversation. But if they're not going to spend, then I actually personally get more direct. But I balance it out with really open, you know, friendly, flirty kind of body language, but I'll be like really direct in what I'm saying. And if they're still flaking around, then I know that, cool, I'm going to try somewhere else. And like during that kind of rapport with them, is there like a, a a word or a phrase that would be like in your head, be like, okay, this guy's not going to spend money other than just saying, I'm not buying a dance? Not really. There's a number of ingredients. So it'd be like the level of their certainty. Um, it would be, I would have to find out more about them. Like what brought them in actually? Like what do they want out of their night? Like, are they here to see someone specific, you know? Um, what are they into? Like, what are they in the mood for? You know, finding out, starting to hone in towards, like, is there any way, shape or form that they're going to be interested in a dance? 
Um, and if I just am getting hit by a brick wall and I notice that their certainty is like, it's not wishy-washy. It's not like, oh, I'll finish a drink, like, oh, maybe later. And they're not bad things. They're good. You can work with those. But if it's just like absolutely not, you know, you're just gauging that level of certainty, um, then I would probably get a bit more direct. Come on, let's do it, you know. It's Saturday night, let's get this clothes off, like you look ready, blah, 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 whatever it is that comes out of my mouth. And then if they're like still like, nah, then I'll be like, okay, no worries. Enjoy your evening, you know, enjoy the show. This is a great club. See you later on. And make my exit. So always leaving the door open. But yeah, I mean, if you read that question out again, it's like, how do you sell to someone that's not gonna buy? <laughs> you know, it's like, is there a what percent are they not going to buy? That's the certainty level. Is it a hundred percent they're not? Cool. Well, getting direct finds that out faster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Intimo is a local sex shop that celebrates our industry in a spicy and empowering way. Proudly representing many sex workers in queer-owned businesses, community, and education is at the heart of what they do. With over 300 hot sex toys available online, their collection is curated intentionally to help you find what you're looking for so that you can have an affirming experience in the bedroom. They even make their own plant-based pleasure products, so make sure you try our favorite one, Smooth Operator, their hyaluronic acid water-based lube. Use promo code 50 plus a tip for 10% off your online orders. Whether you're shopping from the comfort of your own home or visiting their adorable storefront in the heart of Victoria, they've got a little something special for you. Did we mention they're also sex worker owned and operated? Check them out online at intimopleasureboutique.com and remember to use your promo code 50 plus a tip. That's five zero plus a tip. Would love to shout out our sponsor, Levian Lash, for bringing our lashes to life. At Levian Lash, you'll be in great hands with Liz. With over six years of experience, Liz can create any set of lashes you desire, from natural classics to the most dramatic mega volumes you could ever imagine. If extensions aren't your thing, you can opt for that clean girl aesthetic with lash lifts and brow laminations too. Find some time to schedule some much-needed self-care with Levian Lash. You'll receive $25 off your first visit for any service of your choice with code 50 plus a tip. Uh, next, <clears throat> excuse me, next listener question. What is one thing I should never say to a customer? I think the first thing that came to mind is no. So even though we just talked about asserting boundaries and things like that, a lot of customers really don't, and people in general, we don't like hearing the word no, you know. So we need to be more creative than just saying no. <laughs> That's what I would say. A lot of customers do not want to hear the word no. Mm. We, in saying that, caveat, yeah, we need to stay in control, still get the message across like a politician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Avoid the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Next one here. I've been having a really bad streak with way more rejections than usual. How can I get out of this rut? Mm-hmm. So my first question there is, what do you tell yourself with the rejections? Because there's always going to be rejections in the strip club, but the important thing to really become aware of is what is the initial thing that you tell yourself? Are you starting to tell yourself a story and are you starting to believe that story like no one's going to get a dance? Maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because it's all speculation. And the important thing is to not buy into your reaction to the rejection. The goal is to remain neutral And maybe you're in a bit of a rut at the moment where the no's are feeling like there's more of them. But another question is, 
Are you just feeling it more or are you just noticing it more? Because there's always going to be no's. So my suggestion there is to start investigating what is your reaction to the no's. Are they affecting you more at the moment? Um, and are you believing what your brain is telling you? Are you creating stories and and buying into them? So uh, exercise you can do there if you are. Challenge those stories. Is that really true? Oh, they're not getting a dance because X, Y, Z. Is that really true? You don't know that. There's no point berating yourself for no reason. My advice is just keep going. <laughs> Yeah. Let the nose, as I said recently in a podcast, I think, let the nose get, like, learn to love them like going to the gym, you know, like the burn, you know, they're reps, they're just reps, you know, and if you start to love the burn at the gym, you're going to get the results more. If you start to love the nose at the club, you're going to love the result. you're going to get the results more, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like you could look at it as like a percentage game. Like say you're like getting like 60% no's, 40% yeses. For every no, mm-hmm. you're getting closer to that 40% of yeses. Whether that's like actually mathematically correct, but it could just trick your brain saying like, like you said, like that burn's getting me closer to my goal. Yeah, um, exactly. You just picture Pac-Man just eating those <laughs> <laughs> Uh Next one here. My city has been hit hard in the last year or so, and it seems to have dried up. Do you have any tips for surviving the recession? Okay, I would say bring versatility into the equation. So like we talked about at the beginning of the call, um, you know, there's different avenues, say in my city, like topless waitressing. There's also different clubs, different cities. So the degree that you're willing to be versatile is the degree that you are able to maintain your income. In a, in a difficult patch. You might need to extend your hours. You might need to work more nights. You might need to f- take a plunge and, and fly to a city and get an Airbnb or whatever and, and fork out the money for the hope that it's going to, you know, be worth it. Um, but get willing to be uncomfortable, get willing to be versatile. Versatility is the key to surviving any economic downturn. Diversify, you know, you see it in stocks, you see it in investment. We need to do that as well as individuals. And as well, look at your patterns in the club. Are you only approaching certain demographics? Maybe it's time to start approaching, you know, that black hole and just, (laughs) you know, like do everything, like leave every stone unturned. It just depends on your willingness and your hunger, basically. Mm. So, yeah. And the last one here, I've been wanting to take one of your courses. Is there one you would recommend starting out with? Okay, so it depends um, on what you want to work on. So I have a range um, of like mini courses, but they're all on different topics. Um, the academy is so like all inclusive of it's basically anything you'll ever need that I could think of <laughs> um, for stripping. So it depends if you want to do that. There's payment plans available. It depends how you like to study, um, every all of my courses you keep for life. Um, uh, if you want like a mini course, it just depends. Like if you want to focus on sales, if you want to focus on mindset, um, I've got a workshop I'm working on at the moment um, behind the scenes, just a little, it's going to be really low investment, but it's a topic that's coming up a lot at the moment and it's about 
achieving big goals and how to go for them and how to draw them in whilst working towards them. So that's something I'm super passionate about, obviously. Um, But again, it just depends. Like if you go to my Instagram and have a read through, I've done my best to describe, you know, what's included in them, um, you know, what you're going to expect. Have a read through the reviews and the the feedback that I have um, so you can see other people's personal experience of, you know, the different courses that they've done, see what sort of outcome you're after. um, And I would recommend reaching out to me so we can discuss what would suit you the most, basically, because, yeah, that's important. Awesome. Okay, before we let you go, we have three rapid-fire questions we ask all of our guests. And the first one is what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but want to try? Probably DP. Yeah, that was a quick answer, too. <laughs> I see you've thought about this. DB, um, with, with, yeah. Is yeah. that with, like, no with plastic? No yeah. plastic? Yeah. So she said no plastic. No plastic. <laughs> that is a ridiculously common one we get yes. a lot. The last three oh, really? people we've asked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd it, say it's a solid, like, 70% of the answers yeah. we get. Her. Okay. Yeah. And I was just like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, say I less. Know. I know. It's like. Yeah. Yeah, it's what the women want. Hey. I love it. I love it. Um, The second one here, what is one thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? Hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that one. Um, (laughs) Somebody got hurt. Um, No, no. (laughs) That I wouldn't try again. Um, or even something that you think is not really worth the hype. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm stumped. Usually I'm like my friend. The thing that came to mind, I can't, I'm not going to say because someone got hurt and I'm not going to mention it and nothing else comes to mind. Fair enough. That's fair. Apart from that, yeah. she'll Sorry. try everything twice. <laughs> Oh oh no! Sorry, I was going another one. I'm not. (laughs) Um, Okay, no, I will answer that one. Something else just came to mind, Um, and that is, what was it? What was something I have tried but wouldn't try again? Mm -hmm. Um, the exceedingly massively endowed gentleman that we met in Vegas. My husband really wanted to sleep with the wife and his one condition was like he gets to sleep with me. And we'd been, this was like midday the next day and we'd been up all night and partying. It was like 0% horniness. It was like, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I ended up agreeing and like this man, this big, really large man with, somehow he suddenly had a cock ring on. I don't know if he <laughs> Stumped me. I was like, was that, did you wear that all night or was that in your pocket? Like, I just, anyway, definitely didn't fit. Um, we had like five friends in the same hotel room. So we're in the bathroom and it just wasn't glamorous. And, and yeah, I would, I never want to do that one again. Yeah. Ever. Okay. So random <laughs> Vegas man, you're her never do again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I love partying and everyone's like, oh, what happens in Vegas? And I was so like, oh, what, what, what could possibly happen? Like, I'm not scared, you know? And then I left Vegas so shell-shocked. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's true. Uh, the trauma will come back from Vegas. <laughs> Oh, nice. It's in your like, carry-on. 
But yeah, you know, so sorry, it didn't stand like I just mentioned it, but yeah, it was like, <laughs> the co- the cock ring just reminds me of like, and this is one I prepared earlier. <laughs> it was like, it was, I mean, it was nice as a golden, you know, cock ring, but yeah, <laughs> <Where did laughs> that was my main question. I think my brain just needed something to focus on other than like what was happening. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And the last question here, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I don't really know, but something along the lines of like, we all go through things and, you know, it's best to be like, just those same cliche things like if you can be kind to someone else, you don't know what they're going through, if you can help someone, like, do that, you know. Um, think about the fucking planet. Like, think about the small or the large things that you can do that help the planet to not be impacted so much, you know. Um, that's just, like, yeah. I don't really know how to put it, but they're just things that when you actually think about it are so outrageous that people can treat other people cruelly and that people can not give a shit about the planet and and act as if it's not suffering at the moment, you know. Um, It clearly is and it's devastating and we all need to be really way more conscious about, you know, the impact that we have on everything around us basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on, on that note, Wendy, where can people find you? So my Instagram is called Stripology. So S-T-R-I-P-O-L-O-G-Y underscore, can't say, underscore study of the hustle, all in one word. Um, I hope you guys got that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a website as well, stripology, www.stripology.com.au. Um, but it needs updating, but you can get to my Instagram through that as well. I have a free Facebook group with, um, a lot of free resources. And so you can find that, um, on my Instagram and, uh, yeah, all my courses are linked to Instagram as well. So I'm imagining you guys might put a link in your notes to that. (laughs) Cool. So, yeah. So awesome. that's that's the best way. Um, and, of course, my podcast, which is also called Stripology, um, which turned one like a week ago or something. So ah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So there's a few episodes if you want to have a little binge, um, you know, a few guests, um, but it's mainly about, you know, uh, mindset, confidence, sales, strategies, and other topics as well that come up. Awesome. Yeah. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at 50 plus a tip pod or email at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com. Slide the DMs or email us with any questions, comments, stories. We love getting them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. And again, Wendy, thank you so much for being on the show with us. We learned a lot mm-hmm. and definitely encourage everyone to take your course and check out her Instagram um, we will definitely write that in the show notes yeah. <laughs> so people can find it easier. 
And yeah, it's been, it's been great getting to know you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Thank you for the invite. And it's been really, really nice to spend this time with you guys. So thanks. Have a wonderful week and happy whoring. Goodbye. Bye.